0: Hey everybody, it's Richie and before we start this episode of the program, we of course want to tell you about our friends at the DraftKings, DraftKings.com, download the DraftKings app too. When you do, down or use the promo code THPN, once again that's promo code THPN when you sign up because we are indeed getting ever closer to sports betting being legalized here in the state of Arizona by early September and the start of football season so you want to get a head start and play in all of their free pools they got going on right now to get you ready for football season and once again you can do that at DraftKings.com or the DraftKings app with the promo code THPN and tell them Sporty sent ya. I'm Corey Crenshaw with Kat Silverman. I'm Richie Suave Flores.
1: And this is Sporty with Corey and Richie Suave
0: on the Hockey Podcast Network. In a world where social media is king and everyone is an expert in everything, get the facts from your insiders here on Sporty with Corey and Richie Suave. Here are your hosts, Corey Crenshaw and Richie Flores.
1: Welcome back in Sporty Nation. I think that is the most coordinated Kat and I have been ever. And I'm very excited about that. I just gave her like a tiny little nod and she knew that she was supposed to speak. We did not put that together before. And I'm very proud of us. So I kind of already gave it away. But uh, the wonderful and amazing Katherine Silverman is with us today on today's show, considering the fact that she was at my house. So I just, you know, abducted her for the podcast today. And um, with me, as always, is my wonderful and amazing co-host, Richie Suave Flores. How you doing?
0: You know what we should do, Corey, is we should just rename the show. Because Kat's been on our show, I believe, for each of the last five episodes. Maybe missing one. And so I think we should rename the show, henceforth, Sporty with Corey, Kat, and Richie. Ironically enough,
2: I've been on your podcast more now than I've been on my own. I think I've been on this one more this month than I've been on my own this summer. What if we promise not to talk about Medea? Oh, done deal. I I recorded mine earlier today and I think I still might have to bounce from that because I think we're we're pivoting to being a three cheers for Medea. So...
1: I think that is the only um, the only thing that she is requiring out of this episode, and that means a lot because we go to some weird ass places
0: <laughs> on this show. Yes, and coming up later in the show, we we are going to be super spontaneous and do a little exercise of our friendship between the three of us, which should be a lot of fun. Um, Corey, it spon- interesting. Yeah, Corey put it up on us uh, right before we started recording, and so uh, I'm trying to think through it as we record, and uh, it should be it should be an interesting lesson for our listeners, but a very high key test of our friendship here.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm actually really curious the the direction we decide to take these. Uh, Richie and I have thought through them briefly. Um, and then cat has decided to just come from the heart Ergo has decided to completely wing it and, and wait until the moment comes.
0: Yes, I so yeah I have so you better be ready, cat. come on, we don't bullshit on this show, okay. We come in and we come prepared. And that's why we're the best show on the network, because we don't fuck around. Some shows come in, and they like press record, they have no prep work, and then they, they try to talk out of their asses for an hour. But here on this show, if you are not prepared, then you get fired. That's why Corey and I are the best at what we do, hands down. We come with facts, we're serious, and and then we have some fun along the way too. So don't, don't fuck around, Kat. You better be ready.
2: I think I'm on the wrong hockey podcast network podcast. If I have to prepare, I'm going to go, I'm going to go jump ship over to uh, the Bruce and Bruins. Bye. I, I,
1: I think that may have been the biggest bullshit I have ever heard come out of Richie's mouth in my entire life.
2: I could hear his nose growing through the phone, <laughs> but that's, that's really, I I love the self-confidence. I love that for you. And I love that for us. As a trio today.
1: I made a bunch of notes last podcast, and I was like, God, this is exhausting. No wonder why I don't always do this.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you won't mean, because there was a lot that happened this week, so we need a lot of notes.
1: Yeah, this one was has actually been really hard to keep up on. I don't, I don't know, uh, you know, why there needs to be so many things happening. That means I actually have to do a shit ton more
0: work. but that's perfect that's that's perfectly fine though that's we strive for excellence like i said
1: oh yeah i mean excellence in our own way well i mean i guess that's that's more of a test to us in the fact that like we don't need all this extra planning and shit we just have our shit down you know
0: exactly plus all most of the stuff that happened this week we kind of saw coming anyway yeah,
1: I mean, or have been hoping and praying and, you know, uh, selling bits of someone's soul. I don't even know what all we've done to try and get OEL out of here. I'm just glad that he's finally out of here.
0: Yes, I. me too. I. We've been wanting this for a while on the show, uh, going back to all the way to last year, and it finally happened. Now, quick story behind this. Um, it just so happened that at the time this trade went down, Corey and I were both driving. And so Corey had to call me and Corey was the one that broke the news to me that Oliver of Larson and Connor Garland were traded to the Vancouver Canucks. And in return, the Coyotes received quite a bit. They received Louis Erickson, Antoine Roussel, Jay Beagle, they received a ninth overall pick, which they used to select Dylan Gunther out of the WHL and they also received another second round pick in 2022 and a seventh round pick in 2023. So, they got a bunch back in this trade. However, Kat and I were talking about this too and essentially what it was was two different trades combined into one massive trade. So, but none, none of us expected a big return for Oliver ekman and they didn't get one at all. They basically just took on a bunch of you know, uh, contracts that were going to be gone in a few years that the Canucks need to get rid of off their cap. And Oh, and then the Canucks were dumb enough to throw in a first-round pick too, which I still don't understand how in the world they, the Coyotes and Bill Armstrong managed to coax old man Jim Benning into giving them a first-round pick. But they did it, so... Congratulations, Coyotes, for absolutely fucking over the Vancouver Canucks because that was that's such a terrible trade for Vancouver. They're gonna regret it come January of this year when Oliver ekman Larson can barely play, and then they're really gonna regret it six years from now when they're buy or two years from now when they're forced to buy Oliver ekman Larson out of his freaking contract because he's been so bad. Oh, and then Connor Garland would probably be okay. But anyway, lot there was a lot to digest here.
1: Yeah, I'm actually sad to see Connor Garland go. I I really liked what he gave last season, and the fact that you know no one really wanted to put a genuine effort um, out when it came to keeping up the. Uh, the I don't even know how to like explain it. Just the energy, I guess, on the ice. Like he was the only one that actually looked like he gave a fuck for most of the season. And so, in the fact that he's gone, it it does suck. I mean, the deal obviously doesn't happen without him being included on it because Oliver Ekman Larson was definitely not worth all of that. Um, I think the only thing that really bothers me out of the trade outside of uh, the fact that uh, Connor Garland is gone is the fact that that um, I only had um, a matter of maybe like a half an hour because I was going to see a a friend for lunch that was from out of town. Um, And like a half an hour to understand the fact that the Coyotes were going to have a top 10 draft pick and that as I'm driving home, I get to listen to... (laughs) NHL on SiriusXM to, to listen to all the prospects to see who the Coyotes might pick up because of the fact that I was paying attention to absolutely none of it because I thought the Coyotes had no chance in hell of drafting anyone early and was like, I don't fucking care. If they're going to boycott us, I'm going to boycott them. Until I found out <laughs> that we had a ninth pick. And I was like, I, I really need to actually focus on this and see what's happening. I literally pulled into the garage, like right when we picked. And I was like, wait, they need to wait two more minutes because I really needed to pee. And I was like, I really want to see what they draft. It was such a clusterfuck. So the only other problem I have with it is the fact that it gave me very little time to digest it all.
2: Yeah. I'm <laughs> um, no, uh,
0: uh, coming I, on the show. I'm that just kidding. I'm just kidding. Uh, great, great yeah. analysis.
2: <laughs> sorry, sorry, sleeping on the job here. No, I uh... just
0: a terrific star on this show already. Everybody, <laughs> she
2: gave me
1: she gave me solid <laughs> nods in my response though, so she yeah, enjoyed my listening. response.
2: I was listening. I just uh I didn't have a ton more to add. I just uh I mean, I thought it was a good deal for the Coyotes. Um, I think. I know I talked about it earlier this week. I think it was a baffling move for the Vancouver Canucks, who are not a good team, um, are not a team that is going to be competitive next year. They're not a team that should be trying to be competitive next year. They could have used... I mean, they drafted... For perspective, they drafted ahead of where the Coyotes were supposed to. Right? So they they lost like their last 15 straight games in a 56-game season. So I don't know why they decided to add players to what they think is win now um I thought it was really funny listening to Jim Benning say that he wasn't sure um why Oliver Eckman Larson's plus minus has been so bad for the last few years uh that he's trying to figure that out and I was like maybe that's something I would have uh I would have you know tried to figure out before adding him but that's okay I think Oliver um, Eckman Larson also has been asking himself the same question that's true I honestly I think he's uh I mean he's He's in his 30s now, right? So I don't think he's going to bounce back to what he was at any point. Like, I, I think that ship has sailed. Um, but he, I mean, we've talked about it on when you guys have had me on before. His, his mother passed while he was playing in Arizona. He wasn't able to be there when she passed. Um, the team, you know, as soon as he found out, they gave him leave to go home uh, to be there for her funeral and whatnot. Um, but he was, he was in Arizona when his mom died. And they were incredibly close. I would certainly want a, a little bit of a change of scenery. It would might make it a little hard to hard to focus playing in in that city anymore. Um, so I think he could still bounce back with a with a fresh environment. You know, just a chance to clear his head, shake things off a little bit, um, move forward, uh, move on a little bit. Um, and I'm happy that he'll get that chance because he was a a very vital part of the team in the locker room and off the ice. He's really helped transition the team from, you know, the, the 2012 era essentially to what they are right now. Um, but he had to go with his contract. Um, and it kind of stinks that Connor Garland is now gone. Cause he, like Corey said, was arguably their only finisher. Um, but they did manage to, to get a good draft pick out of it. They made a safe pick um you know they didn't do anything super risky which is nice um I I don't think they they went for the high risk high reward pick this year which is kind of necessary and they I think uh team PR Greg Dillard I want to say he he tweeted out that they have what 19 picks this year and next year um whereas they came into this draft with like four (laughs) so I I think that's that's a good thing moving forward cuz they can even trade some of those picks if it does seem like they're in a position where they could be winning sooner than they thought. They have they have some collateral now, right? They have something that they can move um which is which is cool. I think they're they're set in a good position. They're not where they were in 2015 when they were at the very bottom of the league. They're definitely much closer to contending than they were there. Um and they do still have some good pieces. I think Clayton Keller's still got some promise. I think Christian Dvorak, it's really nice that they managed to get that many draft picks without losing him. Cause I, I really thought when they started making all their moves that he was going to be gone. And instead they managed to get a good defender and Shane Ghost to um, for nothing, like literally nothing. Um, they managed to add a little bit of cap, you know, add a little bit of cap hit so they don't have to have to do anything weird. They can, you know, look to rebuild a little bit next year. Um, didn't have to give anyone else away, which was kind of cool. Um, they sold Victor Soderstrom, still have Jacob Chikren, still have Darcy Kemper. I think that one's huge. Um, yeah, that's that's kind of where I'm at. They they didn't have to give away Kemper to get that first round pick too, which was kind of what we thought they were going to have to do. So, that's kind of nice.
0: Yeah, okay. c- going back to what you're saying, Kat, about the draft picks. They have 6 picks in the first 2 rounds of the 2022 draft. That's So crazy. You, yeah, if you do a little if you do a little bit of math, that is 6 pass. picks in the first about 60ish picks of the draft more or less. So they have they're about
1: They 5 about, in the second round next year, right?
0: Yeah, exactly. So they have about 10% of the picks in the first 2 rounds of next year's draft. In a draft that from all accounts that I have read, is expected to be really good and pretty deep. And it's going to be a year where you're going to be expecting your players to be more well scouted. Because I think that was the thing about this year's draft and why so many players were picked in so many weird spots in the first couple of rounds is that the way that scouts went about this year was so weird because of COVID. And a lot of these kids – Kind of almost got set back a year, basically, because of, from their development because of COVID. So that's huge. And and Cat's one hundred percent right. Now they can use those assets next year to make other moves. You know, they could move up into the first round. They can maybe go get a, another more established younger player who's maybe looking to be moved that has a nice, reasonable contract that they can keep around in the desert. But so they're selling themselves up to be pretty solid here in a couple years. And, and going back to what the Catteries received in that OEL trade, Kat, do you remember last year when we had a discussion about moving Oliver ekman Larson to the Canucks? You laughed at me when I said, like, dude, I will take Louis Erickson's contract in a heartbeat because it comes off the books quicker than Oliver ekman Larson's deal. Well, Louis Erickson's contract goes off the books. He's signed for one year. Same with Antoine Roussel, one year, $3 million. Same with Jay Beagle, all bad contracts. I will give you that. But they're gone and off the books in a year. I can't believe Bill Armstrong pulled that off from a team.
2: I can't believe
0: that he didn't take on – that Jim Binning didn't go, hey, listen, we have worse contracts to trade than that. I, it's no, they that's have miracle. Bad
2: contracts to trade, they have Tyler Myers on the books until kingdom come
0: exactly. Actually, that was the guy I thought that the Canucks would have traded in a trade like this is Tyler Myers, they and, I would, have been, and I would, yeah, and I would have been 100% cool with that because again, his contract is going to come off the books quicker than else. So, Bill Armstrong, who's 10 out of 10 trade here, and yes, it does suck to lose Connor Garland, but when you think about the fact that it seems like he just wasn't going to re-sign here, right? There were reports out there that the Coyotes basically came in with an offer in May and then like never really heard back from him and from the team. And there was just no communication. It was pretty clear that Connor Garland was gone, you know, and it's unfortunate. And I mentioned many times before that I would have liked for him to be a centerpiece of the rebuild because by the time this team got good again, Connor Garland was going to be one of your guys who – was going to be in your leadership group and he was going to be a guy that was going to be a veteran by that time and he's one of those players that you would kind of need in your leadership group a veteran guy who is only getting better seemingly and unfortunately that's not the case and and he's on the move but you, sometimes you got and I mentioned this on Twitter in a rebuild like this you got to tear the whole fucking thing down to rebuild it back up and that's why I want to be surprised if the Kyrie's made more moves Before the season started, and you mentioned Christian Dvorak and Darcy Kemper, I'm still not sold on either of them being on the opening night roster. I wouldn't be surprised if, if not one or both of those guys is traded, if not before the season, definitely at the trade deadline. Um, As Bill Armstrong is clear, like they're gonna, it's a fire sale, ladies and gentlemen. Like when you're doing this, you're going complete, you're burning it all. And that's what you have to do to end up becoming a good team down the road. Because you can't have acid if you half-ass a rebuild, kind of like the Diamondbacks did, where they were in that they had you know traded Paul Goldschmidt, they brought in Zach Greinke and then traded him, and then but they still have some guys around. They're in the dumpster fire like they are and don't have any way out. So I'm glad that the Coyotes are going all in on a complete fire sale rebuild, and 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 I, it's so far. It's looking like they're doing the right thing, and it's paying off.
1: So, Cat and I were discussing over here. Um, I can turn my mic off and mute it. So, Cat and I—wait, you guys you were
0: listening to me? That was a good rant by me. Yeah, and I was, guys, it was a very conversation. Oh my goodness!
1: It was a solid rant. We were discussing about your rant. We were discussing about the the, the fire sale aspect of your rant, and we we would like to point out the fact that um, there is still a core base that is being kept there. That is so far at least, still being kept around. So they're not completely tearing everything apart. They are keeping like a, a nucleus of it and everything that's around it, they're kind of tearing it apart. Um, I think the best example that we've all kind of given for it is kind of like Colorado and the fact that it's very much a, a, a quick tear down and build back up situation. It's not like a let's do a slow five-year rebuild like they had before, which is I don't think... Uh, you know, cost efficient for them. So if that is the case, I think the what they've done with this draft, this draft this year is probably the best that they can do. And, you know, with all of the fucked up things with scouting and COVID and everything, but it's going to be really interesting in, in the next two years drafts, because they're going to start wanting to draft guys that are much more uh, NHL ready, considering the fact that they're going to want to turn those guys much quicker than the ones they drafted this year, which have time to still develop.
2: I think it's, uh, like, to me, I think they they had to add something to get rid of the, the excuse me, the OEL contract, right? When you have a contract that very clearly is not helping your books, it's not cost efficient, it's going to be too long, you want to get it off the books, um, then the player is the looking for a new situation, you want to do the right thing by them. You have to add something enticing, like like Andrew Ladd, bad contract. Islanders needed it off the books now. They couldn't wait a year or two down the road um, because they have no cap space. They still have to make some moves to to get their guys re-signed. Um, and the only two things that you can add to a deal in order to um, get rid of a bad contract is a good player a really promising prospect or a draft pick and the coyotes did not have the third thing. Like they didn't have any, that was part of the problem. They needed to, to get some draft picks. Um, They didn't give away their prospects because they're not in win now mode. So they gave away a good player, Um, but they, they didn't give away good players on their own. And I think that's the difference between a full scale rebuild and uh like a retooling. We haven't seen this team retool. We saw them rebuild, right? Like they tore it down around 2014, 15, built it back up with basically nothing. Um, And then from there they moved forward, but they didn't, they didn't even have any really good prospects in the pipeline at that point. Um, This is, it looks to me and I, I could be wrong, right? Like we we don't know for sure what the team's gonna do, but I think it looks like a little bit more of a retooling because they have those good pieces in place. They have Jacob Chikrin, they have Christian Dvorak, they have Victor Soderstrom, they have ideally Barrett Hayton, they have Clayton Keller, uh, they and now they have uh, Dylan Gunther. So I think they are trying to they were trying to get rid of a piece that would have basically hamstrung them. But every other move that they made to acquire draft picks, they didn't ship out other players, and that, to me, was the biggest, the biggest difference between seeing like a fire sale. Like look at what, uh, like look at what Buffalo's done the last handful of years when they've done rebuilds, which they seem to be just constantly having to do. Look at what the Oilers have done with their rebuilds. They've shipped out just about everyone except for Connor McDavid um they've shipped out pretty much every other first round pick uh so I I don't know and maybe they are still going to make some moves I think that the team does need to consider that they they did build a decent start to a core they just didn't have the supplemental pieces beyond that and I think that part of that was that maybe John Chaika was good at the, because he, he was a decent drafter. He wasn't terrible. He didn't draft Dylan Strum. That's not his fault. Um, But he wasn't super great at making a ton of the trades. And we couldn't have known that Auntie Ronta would get hurt all the time. So I, I think they're looking to keep the good pieces that they had drafted and then just add on to that, right? Um I think they're a couple years away they they were close to contending now and the only piece that they've really lost from that that was a part of their young core is Connor Garland so I I don't know maybe, maybe maybe I'm wrong maybe Christian Dvorak Darcy Kemper you know Victor Soderstrom who knows maybe maybe other players are out the door but I don't I don't see that being necessarily what they're trying to do here
0: yeah. You know, I've, we've all been around sports long enough when there are as many trade rumors surrounding players as there was with, you know, all the and eventually Connor Garland and Darcy Kemper and Christian Dvorak. There's usually some sort of fire there and oftentimes those players don't end up sticking around too long. Um, Unless under really unique circumstances. The best example I can think of is, in my opinion, at least recently, locally is Patrick Peterson, where he clearly wanted out and the Cardinals just didn't play hard. They played hardball with him. It's like, no, you're staying on a roster. And they were stupid enough and didn't trade him, and he just left in free agency instead and went to – the Minnesota Vikings to Corey's Minnesota Vikings instead. So um, I think that's why I'm, I'm a little bit like cynical when it comes to these players It just like where there's smoke, there's usually fire there. And, um, and eventually that's why I'm more apt to believe that they will be traded than not because of all the rumors surrounding them. And don't forget too, like, if injuries happen around the league spots will open up and then that's what opens up trade opportunities during the regular season, for a couple of these players too, if if they're not traded by the beginning of the season. So, um, again, I have a feeling we haven't heard the last of the rumors for either any more of any other Coyotes players. But we wanted to kind of move on to the draft. Cat was talking about it a little bit with Dylan Gunther, and and he was their number nine overall pick. And just quickly, I um, don't have to dive too deeply into him, um, but he was uh, he was ranked in the top ten by pretty much every reputable source in terms of scouting, right? He was number 7 by Elite Prospects, he was number 6 overall by TSM Bob McKenzie, number 9 overall by Craig Button, he was the number 5 NHL Central Central scouting player by in North American Skaters, he was top 5 by Sportsnet and by a couple other places and this is what Elite Prospects had to say about him. Said there's just no denying the potency of Gunther's shot. Most of his releases are exploding forward into his shot, increasing power control and protecting from back pressure. And on top of that, Gunther has a real knack for finding soft dice off the puck. He's always positioned to collect the biscuit and soft parts of the offensive zone, a testament to goal scorer savvy. He most recently played for the Edmonton Oil Kings in the WHL, of course, in a shortened season. Only played 12 games with them this past season, put up 24 points in those 12 games. But the year prior, he put up 59 points in 58 games for the oil Kings. So um, overall I like the pick. I He's one of those players that seemingly he is kind of a guy that the Coyotes have always missed drafting over the last couple of years, which is a guy that can has some finish to his game. And that's what I like because in the past, they really haven't gone that route, right? Cole Caulfield was on the board for the Coyotes and they passed on him. Instead, they took Victor Soderstrom, right? So, I like the pick. Do you guys have anything else to add about about Dylan Gunther? I know none of us really did a lot of scouting on a lot of these high-end players. I know Cat scouted a lot of goaltenders, obviously, but so Dylan Gunther was not not a name on my list at all, considering I didn't think the Coyotes would have a first-round draft pick like Corey mentioned earlier in the show, but uh, what do you guys make of the Gunther selection? Uh,
1: From what I know, I I thought it was a good selection, but uh, like Like we kind of said, we hadn't really done a ton of scouting. So I mostly, uh, you know, learned mostly about him during the actual draft itself. I, I sat and watched and, you know, kind of like what they talked about him and like read a little bit about him. Like he, he seems, uh, like a good pick. It's just, it's funny because like, I also don't fully know the direction that they're trying to take this team. So sometimes, um, in these situations, you're going to have to see how it kind of pays off in the long run too. But, um, it, it's funny because uh, I think everyone was just more happy and relieved to have gotten that number nine pick in, in general, to be able to actually pull pick up a player in the top ten and to also say a giant fuck you to uh, the Blackhawks who had pointed out the fact that we had a... They, they're they like, oh, we don't, I don't even know what the quote was. It was something along the lines that... like. Well, at least we know that in the top eleven, a pick will be forfeited. Like it just—it was nice to be able to give a, a kind of giant fuck you to everyone that wanted to talk about our eleventh pick being forfeited. So, um, I—I'm glad that we got the pick. And I think probably the more interesting thing was more in the second round there, where all of those players weren't really projected to go that early. Um, uh, but they still picked them anyways. It was really cool to see uh, Doan's son and see that whole reaction and everything. Um, And, you know, just a kid that was born and raised here play obviously went to Chicago, um, but it's, you know, coming back to play for ASU and then see him get picked up by the coyotes was a, it was, it was a warm, heartfelt moment. So that was kind of nice.
0: Kat, what did you make of the Gunther selection quickly before we dive a little bit deeper into the Doan selection?
2: I thought it was uh, – I thought it was fine. Um, uh, a lot of the scouts over at Elite Prospect in particular, um, I did their their goaltending scouting for the draft this year. Um, so I, I'd gotten to see all the goalies, but I hadn't really gotten to see any of the skaters because, like you guys said, we didn't think we were going to have a pick. Um so I asked them if they thought it was a, a reach pick, a safe pick, or you know, just if it was a, a super slam dunk home run, and they said it was fine. You know, he seems like a player who is very safely and comfortably going to be an NHL player. We don't know what type, but it doesn't seem like there's any major red flag there, um which is nice to hear, right? Like that's that's the kind of thing that you want to hear when you're at a point where basically the Coyotes need to have a successful pick for each of their player, like for each of their draft picks that they use. Um, I did think that the Josh Doan pick was, I thought it was cute. Um, I, I liked seeing, you know, the video of Shane Doan getting excited that his son was drafted. Um, I know that some people in the scouting community, said that that was maybe a little bit of a reach. Um, that he wasn't necessarily projected to go there, but was taken by the team um, in sort of like a sentimental way, which is which is cool because um, it seems like he's also going to be a, a legit player. Um, I think that's a successful pick, probably. Um, I I get a little nervous when you see a. Uh, you know when you see players who have famous parents. Um, who well, and Richie now likes him because with... he has the same birthday as him. Oh well, happy happy birthday, twins! There. Um, but uh, no, I I get a little nervous just seeing sometimes what happens when when the sons of former players uh, get a little overhyped. Like I know Sean Burke's uh, former Coyotes goaltending coach. I believe he's currently Montreal's goaltending coach. Um his son got drafted by the Coyotes, um Brendan Burke. I think it's Brendan Burke. Um yes. did not pan out at all. Um the Edmonton Oilers, their goaltending coach drafted his son <laughs> like I think it was in 2018 because I was at that draft. Um and once again, a player who doesn't seem like they're going to pan out. So I get a little, a little nervous and antsy about that kind of thing, but it doesn't seem like this one's a super crazy pick, um, all things considered. So it's kind of nice seeing a player that the fans are like really going to rally behind. Um, cause I think the team could have used a little bit of that, that from that comfort and familiarity during kind of a tumultuous off season, I guess. Well, and that's the thing. He did have kind of, um, you know, I- issues and
1: they had to work with him for quite a while on that. And he's now starting to like bounce back in and the fact that he had uh, 31 goals and 39 assists for 70 points and 53 games with the Chicago Steel last season. And that was kind of what they keyed in as the um, defining he's making an upturn type of a thing Mm -hmm. but it is only one season you're getting to see that he is progressing properly the way they want him to he gained um in size as well and so it's promising but then you're also and not to knock ASU by any means I obviously love ASU I'm I'm proud Sun Devil alumni and and that's how I how I met Richie but like um how
2: i met your mother
1: <laughs> but so i but the thing is he's going to be you know they still have i think another year until that arena is built and so coming to ASU and and getting that development here i feel like might be a little bit hindering him in the fact that they um you know they aren't playing some of like the bigger schools at the moment um they've their schedule's been kind of wonky obviously cuz of covid and everything but um it's until they get that that bigger arena they kind of um do things a little bit differently when it when it comes to Oceanside and certain um teams don't come all the way out here just to play at Oceanside so it's I I feel like that might hinder him a little bit because he is hitting that point of like major development in his career but you don't know if he's going to continue to keep going on that if he keeps going in that direction it's a good sign.
0: You know, I when I first heard it, I I missed the pick when it originally happened. I was literally pulling into the radio station when I saw it pop up on my phone that he had been selected. And I was like, "Wait, did they really do that with their first pick in the second round for somebody who was ranked in the bottom 50? Like, you know, between the in the in the top 100 for most Analysts, he was ranked in the bottom fifty, and so they overdrafted him here. Like I don't think there's any denying that, and I think it was clear that they drafted him for one reason and one reason alone. As much as the team has spun it as being, yeah, this is a hockey pick. No, it was not a hockey pick. They did not want to pass up the opportunity to have good PR. That's that's what this was to me. If he pans out, cool, great. But is it worth it if for the two minutes of PR you're going to get out of it here if he doesn't make it to the NHL? I don't know. Granted, he could make it to the NHL because I saw some some analysts out there saying that he was kind of a, a player that was under the radar, maybe a good selection. And, Corey, you kind of mentioned his stats from the Chicago Steel, and I think that's something important to – Point out about that. And I heard this from a lot of analysts too, which is like he had a massive, massive jump from season to season for him, and that's important. When you see a player take that type of a leap, that's huge because that's what you want to see in young players as they develop, right? You want to see them get better. And I, I, I wonder about that. As going to ASU for him too, is that the right choice for him? You know, could he have gone to a better school? Maybe, right? Because you've seen some other um, kids of NHL players show up at ASU and have different varying, varying levels of success. And, and, um, and, um, and so I'm curious if maybe that was the right choice for him, but, uh, see, I will say this, like I did watch all the videos of seeing Shane celebrate and, and them announcing the pick and him getting to call Josh and, and it was really cool, and it was really sweet, and it was really nice. And it would be a great fucking story in three years if he makes it to the NHL and the Coyotes are playing in a brand-new arena, and and Josh Stone is skating in his dad's number 19, and he just so happens to have Austin Matthews as his center. That's, that's like my dream scenario at this point for that to happen. Like That's who opens the new arena, opening night. Austin, When Austin Matthews' first season as a Coyote, he shows up, plays center on the top line. Josh Doan is on his wing. Oh, chef's kiss if that happens.
1: Who was the other kid that was drafted by the the Maple Leafs who played with Josh Doan, who's from here? He just got drafted. Anybody? Bueller? Haven't the foggiest.
0: Yes, I know who you're talking about. Uh I got to pull it up here. Hang on. Stand by. Oh, Matthew nice. Matthew there nice. Yes. Nice.
1: Um yeah, I mean, I think we all know what Richie dreams about when he goes to sleep at night now. But uh you you throw him into the mix. There you go. For everyone that said that a, uh, that Arizona isn't a hockey state, like it it's coming up slowly but surely. And we've been telling everyone this. No one wants to listen to us.
0: Yeah, and there was a couple of Sun Devils selected, too, in the draft, which is awesome.
1: Yeah, so it's slowly but surely Arizona is taking over as, as a hockey state, and I, and I completely love and adore it.
0: Congrats to Joey Decor, too, on being selected by the Seattle Kraken.
1: Oh, yes, yes, and especially, two to the Kraken. Oh, I can't wait to like actually go to a Kraken game.
0: Do you want to do you want to come with me to the Coyotes and Kraken game later this year?
1: I if the ticket prices aren't astronomical, I will would love to go.
0: Yeah, like in Seattle?
1: Yeah, I would love to go. It'd
0: be a great trip. It'd be an awesome trip.
1: It'd be so much fun. I I want an excuse to buy a jersey. Um, someone on Twitter was like, "Oh, well, fuck the Coyotes then." And I was like, "No, that is not what that means. It means I look great." in baby blue because it is my favorite color and it's um a historical event because of the fact that you know it's another expansion team
0: yeah and uh and it's funny like watching all the reaction to their expansion draft and how much people were like huh what are they doing my favorite part was like people were were comparing the kraken to the coyotes and they were like the trades that the Coyotes are making is what the Kraken should be doing, and I 100% agree with that.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's it's so interesting because, like, I was kind of talking the other day about, like, when you're in an expansion draft and how it all kind of works out. Like, some things you have to get lucky on with what, you know, what players are available and stuff like that, but it's also the way that you – you draft and then you handle the trades from there on out. And so it really is all kind of in their hands of what they want that team to be. And there's so many options for it. I feel like it has to be so much fun. Like that's got to be one of the most, like, I mean, one of the toughest, but one of the most fun GM situations to be in because you basically just got handed keys to the kingdom and was like, do what you want with it. Just make sure that the kingdom is a fucking fortress, you know?
0: (laughs) Yeah, like, and the thing is with that, like, there's not much pressure because I don't think there's a lot of expectations on an expansion team either. So they can pretty much do whatever they want for the first few years. However, Vegas probably did reset those expectations that the Kraken have to contend right away, which I don't think is really the case at all because in these first couple years, they're going to have fan support no matter what there. You know, as expansion teams do, and they'll sell out for the first couple seasons, and then they'll start succeeding from there. But anyway, uh, we, we digress and move on to the one last Coyotes piece of news that we have, which dropped on Sunday. We got the news from Craig Morgan that Nicholas Jalmerson is going to retire from the National Hockey League after many seasons with the Coyotes and winning multiple Stanley Cups with – the Chicago Blackhawks doesn't really come as a surprise to, I think anybody that you decided to hang up the skates, but um, spent 14 years in the NHL, spent four seasons with the Coyotes. And I think uh, the two of you will agree with me that Nicholas Stromerson is kind of everything you'd want in a player and in somebody you'd want to be in your leadership group. He was uh, a great player for the Coyotes franchise and and happy retirement to Nicholas Jomerson. Um You were a fun player to watch with this team over the last few years.
2: Yeah, I uh, I I loved him in Chicago. Um, I thought he was arguably one of the most underrated defenders in the league. Um, he was probably one of the last like true shutdown defenders in the sense that he wasn't just a pylon like he didn't just stand there and block shots he was really good at closing gaps using his stick that's something that that he talked about a lot um sort of under the radar uh really good stick work at keeping passes from actually making it across the crease um really good at closing out lanes uh making it hard for the other team to enter the zone in the first place um just a really quality player in his own end. Um, good quiet leader. Um, like you said, really good guy to have around off the ice too. Um I think he had started to take a step back by this year. Um, which is why, like you said, I don't think it's a huge surprise that he did retire. Um, because it really did seem like he wanted to go out before he had to had to be healthy scratched a lot and before he had to get sent down to the minors, uh stuff like that. So I know he's got a family that he really wants to be able to spend time with. Um, so I'm happy for him. It's going to be kind of a bummer not having his sort of calming presence around. Um, but it was cool getting to watch him in Arizona, especially those first couple of years, because um, he was still a really good quality player who could eat minutes too. Um, so yeah, that's that's going to be kind of weird not having him around at the same time that they're losing oel Uh, i think that's that's gonna feel very very kind of naked on on the blue line there it's gonna feel like somebody's not taking a shift you're you're it's gonna be a little weird watching um but i'm i'm happy for him i think he accomplished uh more than most people will um (laughs) and now he does get to spend that time with his family which is cool yeah i think
1: the biggest loss is going to be having that veteran presence around because there's going to be a lot of veteran presence from from here in AZ that, like, obviously they're bringing in some older players that will bring a, like, NHL veteran presence, but, like, a, a Yotes veteran presence. It's going to be sad to not have him around for that for sure.
0: Yeah, and uh, he's one of those players that I think you know is, is pro- probably going to be in the um, – Blackhawks like Hall of Fame or whatever you want to say. Um, oh, after winning sure. multiple Stanley Cups with them. And and I think a lot of Coyote's fans, he was he was a truly a fan favorite here. And I think it's unfortunate that, you know, because of the style of his play, he was never the center of attention. He was never the star. And he was never the guy to because in most cases, when you have a state at home defenseman that's locked down defensively, almost Never we where we really talk about them. It's I compare it to an offensive lineman in the NFL. Where if you're doing your job as an offensive lineman in the NFL, we usually don't talk about you because if you're an offensive lineman in the NFL and you're getting talked about, that means you're usually fucking up and you're missing a block. Well, same case in 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 the NHL when it comes to really good defensive defensemen, we don't usually don't want to be talked about because if you are talked about a lot, then that usually means you're fucking up a lot. And Nicholas Jaromason was not one to fuck up a lot in the defensive zone. And um, and so that's the one thing that uh, I think everybody will appreciate from him is is just truly how good he was and the Coyotes fans are going to miss him. And he's going to be really tough to replace too, even though at the end of his career he was hurt a lot and he tr- wasn't nearly the same player that he was. But um, all the best to Nicholas Jaromason. So that's it for the Coyotes news of the week. Okay, everybody, that's going to wrap up this first part of a long conversation that me, Corey, and Kat had. Every time Kat comes on our show, I feel like the three of us can go for hours on end, and that's exactly what we did. So we're going to cut this particular conversation into a couple different episodes this week. And I cannot wait for you guys to hear a conversation that Corey and Kat had about the entire Logan Milieu situation it is some of the best conversation I think we've ever produced on this show, and I'm excited for you guys to hear, and that will be coming up later this week, and you can hear it right here on the Hockey Podcast Network, so make sure you are subscribed to our channel for when that episode drops later in the week, truly terrific content, truly terrific conversation from two of my favorite women in all of the planet, and I'm excited for you guys to hear that, but... Until that next episode, make sure you sign up with DraftKings using the promo code THPN. Follow us everywhere you can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and, of course, other places as well. And until next time, everybody, good night and good hockey.